Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Myoclonic Jerks. Uh, this is MJ, and uh, I'm presenting you guys with a very special episode, a special episode of Myoclonic Jerks, which I recorded when I was down at the Adelaide Fringe Festival doing a run of my solo show. And uh, unfortunately, as a result, this episode is uh, either 33 or 66% less funny, depending on which host you like, uh, because obviously I was down there on my own. Uh, Will and Dr. Tooney could not be on the episode, so I recorded an episode with Adelaide comedian and psychiatrist Dr. Kim Lee. It's very interesting because Dr. Kim Lee specializes in gaming addiction, uh, fascinating episode, really, because uh, particularly for me, because I used to be a big old video game nerd, uh, so some bits were a bit triggering. <laughs> but um, uh, it's an emerging uh, area of diagnosis and treatment, and uh, I learned a lot of things, and I'm sure you guys will too. Uh, just a bit of a heads up, though, uh, we had to kind of record on like a uh, improvised setup, so uh, not the best quality, but uh, I-, I think it's palatable. Uh, so uh, just an early warning for any uh, audio files out there. But no, it's a really great episode, uh, lots of interesting information. I uh, I sound disgustingly sick, uh, as I imagine, uh, right now, because I'm actually down at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival doing a run with the big boys of Brisbane Comedy, and I'd like to give my listeners a bit of a thank you. Uh, so if you guys want to come along to a show and you happen to be in Melbourne, uh, we're on, at Fad Gallery, F-A-D Gallery, uh, at in Chinatown uh, 8pm every night except on Sundays it's on 7pm uh, and uh, I want to give you guys a bit of a discount code use the discount code Big Boys, B-I-G-B-O-I-Z because we're of course very educated fellas aren't we so uh, come along check out the show uh, we're on every night until the end of the festival the 21st of April but until then enjoy this episode with Dr. Kim Lee <coughs> All right, hello everyone. Welcome to this uh, special episode of Myoclonic Jerks, and it's uh, special because uh, I'm I'm the only regular host guy uh, for this episode. Uh, I'm I'm MJ Wong, probably the actually the, the second most qualified of uh, of the regular. Um, host of this because obviously you don't have Dr. Michael Toon here, who's by far the most qualified person to be on this podcast. And, I thought he was uh, a medical no, student. No, 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 that's Will. So, so normally we have. So normally, uh, originally it started. It was just me, um, uh, MJ Wong, and it was Will, who is a medical student. But we would get in Dr. Toon, who is who is a anesthetics fellow now. Right. And uh, and we decided, you know, all the episodes were so good with him. We said, you know what. We should just get him on on every episode and just basically make him like almost like a full time host because Will, uh, we just feel so much more comfortable uh, with with um, being in the presence of uh, Doctor Toon because I think like any medical student, he doesn't have the confidence to do anything on his own yet. So uh-huh. <laughs> that's basically it. But it's very special episode because you just got me, and like I said, I'm the, probably the second most qualified person because I have a. At the, and at the moment, this is a, we, we have a very brief moment in time where I'm the second most qualified person because I have a postgraduate degree in clinical pharmacy, which means I just have one, I just have slightly something over Will before he graduates and finishes his MD, which, which, is, which is like a master's, I don't know, some kind of special master's. And then when that happens, I'll, I'll be at the bottom of the rung of the, uh, of, of the podcast again. So anyway, we have a special episode as well because we have a very special guest. We have a comedian 
uh, and a psychiatrist. We have Dr. Kim Lee. G'day, yes. MJ. How you, How you doing, going? Mate? How you yeah. going, Kim? Good. Um, so uh, I'm actually uh, recording this from, from Adelaide because I'm doing the Adelaide Fringe Festival along with you, and you opened for me on my uh, opening night. Thanks, yeah, thank man. you. Love for coming around that was for a lot that. Of fun. Yeah, um, so this is, your, this is your first Fringe I've been hearing you saying. This is my first ever Fringe Festival. This yep. time last year, I was a punter. Yes. This time, I'm an artist. You're an artist, okay. And and what's how how would you compare the two experiences? Because for me, actually, I can imagine it's uh, probably, I mean, it would, be, it would be probably a little bit more, more fun, but significantly more tiring. Yeah, well, yep. I think I'm just learning a lot. And yep. last year, I, I was watching great comics in Fat Cave and doing a lot of public speaking and then saw mm-hmm. Ando's uh, Happiest Refugee and thought, fuck this, I can do this. This, yeah, is, yeah. this is my gig. And Fair I enough. thought I'd give an open mic a shot. I'd actually, at that time, won a state public speaking competition with Toastmasters and I was like, well, I need to get some extra confidence and I thought yeah. stand-up comedy was the best thing and so, I got addicted to it. So fair enough. So, 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 so you actually, but I, I think it's funny that you were inspired by Ando's The Happiest Refugee because you're actually a psychiatrist. So, you know, presumably you, you probably live a relatively comfortable life and you thought, hey, you know what would be great? What if I ruin my life by bringing comedy <laughs> into it? So, it's <laughs> basically what's happened. Yeah, I can't paint portraits, but I do paint nails. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, That's a typical um, Vietnamese stereotype. Yeah, for, for real, for real. And you probably do a great bun me. I've also noticed here, you, uh, Adelanteans love their bun me. Yeah, man. Yeah. So much so that there's a Facebook group with about 15,000 bogans yeah. who call it the Vietnamese Dog Roll Appreciation Society. It's oh, really wow. a cultural appropriation group. But, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, it's so popular that Subway has come out with its own Vietnamese Subway flavor with essentially just a bit of uh, pork and really? some sweet chili sauce, I'm sure. But I haven't seen that in, in Queensland yet. But is it? Uh, yeah, it was in Adelaide thing for a while. I don't know how long it lasted. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Subway tastes have, like ass anyway. Yeah, so, it, yeah fair, enough, fair um, enough. You just can't compete with that ghetto flavor of pate and mayo that you're know, not sure how long it's been sitting out in the sun yeah. for. But but see, I, I think it's funny though how you say that the white people are, are culturally appropriating. Oh, that yes. Because, oh because, yes. Because because yeah. yet, because it's not banh mi in itself a form of cultural appropriation because it's like a because it's like Vietnamese people were appropriating French cuisine or the other way around or something like that. We just, well, we I, just think, I think it was more, more economics. Yeah. I think because flour would have been very expensive. Yeah, yeah. The Vietnamese people, being the geniuses we are, yes. mixed it with some rice flour and made that sort of crunchy flour. T- I think that's the story. Oh, wow. How, so, so the bun yeah. roll isn't just a regular old baguette or whatever. It's a no, special it's, it's, Vietnamese. No, it's a special Vietnamese blend. Wow. Yeah, house blend. That's like, man, the Vietnamese always have to have, always have to take take a staple and just do something to it, like broken rice. Yeah. Like, they're not happy just to have yeah. regular rice. They just have to punch the shit out of the yeah. rice and all of a sudden it's special again. Yeah, well, uh, my father, when he first came over to Australia, his first job was to put the broken rice pieces back together to form <laughs> a, a long grain rice. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. Man, that, that well, uh, that that would have been. A, and so, so, yeah, he probably came all the way to the, the this country and had to and had to work real hard to put those pieces of rice back yeah, together. Man. So yep. the they needed those little fingers just better. to you know <laughs> design just for those pieces of broken rice. That's good. Um, so so I just wanted to briefly talk about how you got into comedy. So so you've only been doing doing uh, doing comedy for a year then, by the sounds of it. Yeah, it's like ten year. months, eleven months. Oh wow, okay. So my first ever open mic gig was in April, actually. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And oh, April this year. Uh. Yeah, uh, 2018. 2018. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, it's uh, not even a year. It's, okay. been a, it's been a crazy run, but, yeah. you know, I'm just, just 
going at it, mm. going through the back door, any door, any boat, any, <laughs> any way I can door. get over the white people. <laughs> I'm trying it. Oh Trust no, no, me. no. Well, I, well, 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 already being being a person of color has already put you put you ahead, mate. So you 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 already have a point of difference. However, I was I was about to say that does make sense why you have so much energy. I've noticed when I came here, and then you know with the amount of energy that you're putting into into uh, your social media presence and on stage, and you seem more yeah, happy, and you seem more. And I was like, you know what, this guy definitely. hasn't been hasn't been crushed by uh, enough <laughs> years of the open mic scene yet. Yeah. So he still has he still has that you know that uh, you know young yeah. uh, young uh, um, fervor. Yeah, maybe but, it's just hypomania. I'm yeah. not sure. Hypomania. I know. But yeah, you had a pretty good episode on all that uh, mania, bipolar, lithium. I like lithium. That. I yeah, like thanks. That. I, I appreciate it. And you're a episode. professional, and that's good. So there, there, Will. There, we have we have a professionals. Uh, good feedback. There you go, Will. You can your OCD can 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 rest in peace. Um, but uh, okay, that, that, that's interesting, Kim. So I want to also talk about uh, this may may not may not be boring, but just just your history as a as a medical doctor. So. Yeah, mate. Well, I studied right here. We're in the catacombs of the University of Adelaide Barsmith Library, trying mm. to find an air-conditioned space to speak on this podcast. Yep. I spent many, many hours here studying here, six years. Yep. I graduated in 2006, mm-hmm. did my internship, and then uh, moved to Sydney yep. and worked in Manly Hospital, yep. where I actually worked with, you know this famous Indian doctor who was the fake doctor? Doctor, Is it Dr. Patel? <laughs> no, no, he's he's the uh, butcher from. Yeah, Bigger. yeah he's Doctor Death. Okay, but yeah. there was another guy who was essentially the Catch Me If You Can guy, the Indian okay. version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually worked with him. He was my senior. He was actually he's a really, senior. <laughs> he was actually a really good doctor, and I would spend night shifts with him. And uh, yeah, apparently he was a fraud, and he's still on the run. I think. How is he a fraud? Is it because he he so so he's an actual doctor back in India or something like that? I think he came? stole someone's medical degree from India. Oh, okay. Came here okay. and I was obviously you know working I don't know some job at on the run or something BP okay. and studying medical textbooks and then <laughs> just like and then he and he managed like, to through straight people. into Manly Hospital. Yeah. So so he was your senior. So he was like your your consultant, and you were like a registrar or something. He like that? he was like a senior ED. Okay. Reg, like he, right he always had this excuse of not going through his exams, and I yeah. suspect that's because he didn't want to get caught. But he, okay. was, he was essentially like a CMO, like a career medical officer. Oh, okay, yeah, you know, with a lot of emergency uh, experience because no one wanted to work in Nanny Hospital after hours with yeah. all those uh, intoxicated. Uh, that's so, that's so interesting. So, but, but no one picked him up because he was at the top of the rung. So he was just, anyone asked him to ever do something, he'd be like, oh, I'll, just, I'll just get the red should do it. I'll just get the red should do it. That's why he was such a good doctor. I like, concur. I concur. so good at delegating. What yeah. an excellent doctor. <laughs> that's really interesting, man, that you, that you, that you met him. So, so, but, but did you get any inkling when you were working with him that, that he was- No, a, never, never, never. No well, inkling no. at all. Unbelievable. Okay. And then now you're a practicing psychiatrist. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the reason why I got into psychiatry was yeah. I was working uh, in a secondment and I met a young person who was suffering from anorexia nervosa yeah. and playing World of Warcraft 24 hours a day. Wow. One of the first rules or life lessons I learned in medical school is that within 10 years, what you know now is going to be totally different. Yeah. And at that time, there was this thing called internet addiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the fascinating thing about this particular patient was they were actually starving their avatar, so they weren't actually healing themselves up. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, they were actually torturing their online presence yeah. as well as their yeah. physical yeah. body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, That's really fucking interesting. So, that, that was just like mind-boggling for me and, and it yeah. inspired me to actually do the training and wow. uh, followed internet gaming addiction or disorder 
all the way yeah. through, and now it's recognised by the World Health Organisation since yep. July last year as gaming disorder in the ICD-11. So that's actually a great segue. Really, the the uh, topic of this part of this episode is we're going to talk about gaming addiction because you're kind of a bit of a pet subject. Yeah, it's apparently. my special interest. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. So, so you, well, you, you answered my first question: how you got into it. So you, you said now it's been re- re- recognised by the WHO. So, so then I presume it has has like some criteria on like the DSM yeah. now and stuff yeah. like that. So, how do they go about defining it versus? So, so how do you define someone who has a gaming addiction versus someone who just likes playing a lot of yeah. Warcraft or, yeah. or Far Cry or Street Fighter? I mean, we're both Asian, or we we probably play a lot <laughs> of Street Fighter. And you know, at what what point could our parents have said, "Hey, this is a pathological problem," and uh, and you're not just bad at getting that Hadouken? Yeah, I think uh, if you start. Putting uh, green paint on your skin and wearing an orange wig and yeah. pretend, telling yourself you're blanker, then maybe you have okay. a, some no, no, kind no, of that, identity crisis. That just probably just means that you're, you're just a fat loser, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and uh, you know, charging up your lime scooter with your fingers—that yeah. would be. No, but in all seriousness, the the DSM five criteria is much more rigorous. It's it's got nine criteria as opposed to the the three criteria in the the WHO. Yep. Yep. So the the story that I tell uh, fellow psychiatrists when I'm giving presentations is yep. in May June I was seeing a patient uh, in my clinic and was you know leaving the letter to to uh, I was a bit lazy with my letter writing and mm-hmm. I'd sort of half finished the letter hadn't sent it off yet yeah um, come uh, June July the WHO criteria came out. And so the original letter I wrote, the person didn't meet the criteria for the DSM five criteria. So okay. you need five other nine, and uh, it's things like you know uh, salience. You think about you're preoccupied with the uh, thought of gaming next. You get cravings. You yeah. you lie and cheat you, to get money to play the game or to get time to play the game. Mm-hmm. You develop tolerance to it, so you want you know more powerful characters. You want more powerful gear. You need that extra yeah. you know um, extra memory hit. ram. Yeah. ram. Um, spend more time to get that same hit. Yeah. And then when you stop playing, for example, if a kid goes on a school camp, they'll get withdrawals. They might even get headaches. And, wow. Like uh, physical manifestations of Yeah, addiction. and then um, lose yeah. control and then negative consequences, that, that sort of thing. So it's, the main thing is loss of control yeah. and impairment. And no matter which country you go to, which expert you talk to, it's all about losing control. Yep. And the WHO, that's one of its core criteria, is that you lose control over your gaming and yeah, yeah. it means that you get negative consequences because of it and you continue to play despite negative consequences and then you'll also lose your other activities that you would normally do like go play sports, meet your friends, yeah. have dinner with your family, wash yeah. yourself, those sorts of things. Wow, that, that really hits home because that sounds exactly like my brother. Because my brother's a part of like a uh, arcade uh, racing gang, and that's all he does. Right. And I he goes out. Daytona, and, and, or uh, not not Daytona. Some like, I think initial deal, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And he's a part of like some underground culture yeah. where they all race each other, and and they have like uh, they have like national meets and stuff like that. So I mean, wow. I mean, it, it's probably it probably is more of an interest, but also it's the fact that he's I mean, I think 30. that's that's great. I mean, that means that they won't be doing those driftings Perhaps around uh, yeah. Mount Lofty and crashing yeah. to trees. That's good. That's a good thing. That's yeah, a, that's a beneficial thing of yeah, gaming. I mean, It's harm got, minimization. Yeah. We've got to take the yin and the yang. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, speaking of addiction, mm. you know, Sigmund Freud, you know, he was famous for doing studies and research in cocaine. Oh, really? I, yeah. Because isn't Freud mostly the guy that that goes on about you, you want to fuck your mum? Isn't, isn't that <laughs> the thing about him? Okay. Yeah. Um, so today I won't be telling any dad jokes, but I would okay. like to do your mum, MJ. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's not just Koreans. 
I suppose yeah. I was like, when you first mentioned gaming addiction, yeah. I was like, oh, you mean like Koreans, right? So it's, it's a colorblind disease. Well, I've actually been to the esports arenas in Korea. Yeah. I've actually been to what they call wellness, like eye will centers. Yep. Um, there's and, about uh, six or seven of them, and they get about a thousand people uh, in each center. So, yeah. like, with people with at risk or have the disorder, and they oh, treat it. Yeah. Oh, for real? Okay. Because I, I thought like you were going to like these gaming conventions where they actually have their competitions handing out your card and shit. <laughs> you go, you no, might have a problem, not. mate. No. See you in six months. <laughs> but certainly, since the WHO came out mm. with the diagnosis. Before this, I was getting maybe one organic referral per month of someone who wasn't going to school, yep. dropping out, or violent to their family. Yep. Now I'm getting one per week because people are just more aware of the problem. Wow, man, that's insane. Um, so, I, so um, I mean, from your clinical experience, and 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 you're probably all across all across the literature as well. Yeah. Is is there is there particular pockets with regards to race? Is it is is it, is it more linked to a certain yeah. thing? Like, because I mentioned Koreans before. Like, is it linked to like the kimchi gene or something like that? Or <laughs> What's well, uh, there's, there's certainly some cultural differences that I've noticed. Yep. Uh, certainly, the most of the studies are coming from Asia, China, South Korea, Singapore are definitely there. But mm. uh, the main team that did the proposal was from Japan. Yep. And uh, certainly, there have been large population studies from Germany as well. Yeah. And there are treatment centers in the US and Canada. But, you know, cultural differences, I think, when I, I spent so I spent six months in Singapore mm. uh, in an internet addiction clinic for teenagers and and the yeah. cultural differences I noticed certainly was in terms of the reasons why people were playing was they were escaping academic pressures and oh, okay. uh, trying to fulfill their needs for achievement online through, through wow, games. Man, that is the most Asian shit I've ever heard. Yeah. That totally makes sense why yeah. all those and stuff and parents around. are generally more permissive. Yeah, they let their kids get away with a lot. Uh, and the difference here in Australia, I, I feel, yeah, uh, because I, I work in a sort of lower socioeconomic area, I think, mm. you know, to, to send your kid to basketball or footy is actually quite expensive. It costs you hundreds of dollars. And if you don't have that extra spare cash, they, yeah. they, they can't afford to do activities with their friends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing, too, is in, in, I think, Australian culture, people have more of an emphasis on social connections and social hierarchies and they might if they're getting cyber bullied for example yeah, or right. have some kind of uh, social competence difficulties like yeah. maybe on you're on the spectrum you might yeah. find your social needs or meet your social needs online through a computer i'm about yeah. to say well that, that kind of goes into a bit that i have in stand-up where i think being asian uh-huh. is a form of autism really <laughs> so but that, to what you said yeah. just totally fits into that yeah. so well, we, I, I should do a study and maybe do a phd on that yep. asian is autism but um, <laughs> but uh, have, have they found a link to because you said this is a relatively new disease which has been defined. And do you, do you reckon it has something to do with the fact that games are more immersive now? Because it's not something that they had back in the day. You didn't hear about someone being addicted to Frogger or Oh, they were addicted Pac-Man. to Frogger. They were addicted to Frogger and okay. Pac-Man. There were people who were addicted way back in those days. Oh, okay. It's just that they're much, there's much more finer cocaine that they've got nowadays. Oh, okay. <laughs> Nolan Bushnell, who created the Atari, has this very famous quote about, you know, you should... Rec- you should uh, reward the first quarter mm. and the tenth quarter, and you should always reinforce them and use the what they call a variable ratio schedule. So yeah. that's the old Skinner box. So I don't know if you know of uh, B.F. Skinner. He was a Harvard psychologist who discovered that rats and pigeons would continually press a button if you gave them food, but yeah. not give it every single push. You give it every single random push. Yeah, and then they would press it more they'll, because they'll just keep they don't pressing. know. And yeah. it's, it's this whole the whole pokies. Uh, idea that mm. you know you don't know what's coming. It's the suspense. It's the thrill mm. of pushing that button, and then 
with kids, you've got kids who are playing games like Fortnite and yeah. uh, whatnot with games that have loot boxes. So, loot boxes is this thing where you get a, a box, it's a prize, but you don't know what's behind it. And sometimes you might need to pay real money to get virtual money to pay for a key to unlock that yeah, yeah. box. Fair enough. And for little kids, they love it. They, they, I've yeah. got kids who are spending all their pocket money on it on items which are intangible intangible so, yeah exactly so yeah. The, the key game design element is that all these items are intangible they don't actually give you any powers yeah. but it might have some other sort of status thing associated with it because yeah. if you made tangible powers possible yeah. all the rich kids would be just be owning all the poor kids and mm. all the poor kids would leave the game so yeah. you want to keep everyone in the community yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean, I mean, otherwise it'll just play out like real life capitalism, really. Yeah, so yeah, yeah that's basically yeah. <laughs> it's an escape, escape from this capitalist uh, hellhole we live in. No, I'm joking. Where um, all, all the uh, Chinese mainlanders are coming with their cash yeah, in their suitcases, we're, we're, they buying Australian houses. Buying is Australian houses. Is that a reference? Yeah, that's right. It's a reference to a show, <laughs> Mag's <laughs> Um, But uh, that's interesting. So, so it's just computer games. But how about other games? Like, do people get uh, get like addicted to like you ever seen like an Asian grandma being addicted to mahjong or something like that? Oh, is, that, I mean, is that even possible? I mean, uh, that, I th- I'm pretty sure that mother in Crazy Rich Agents is addicted to Mahjong and, oh, okay. and roasting her in-laws. But yeah. uh, um, I, I do know of a story of uh, a colleague of mine came up to me after a presentation and said, oh, Kim, I think I think my my mother-in-law is addicted. And, yeah. and I said, what game is it? And they said, Clash of Clans, which I, was like something yeah, you don't associate it? with older people, right? Yeah, yeah, true. The problem was is that the grandma wasn't actually looking after the grandkids properly and neglecting mm. them. And what I found out was, I said, oh, look, well, what did your mother-in-law do before she retired? And she said she used to be an admin person. And I said, what she's doing in the game? Well, she's organizing people. So okay. there's always a crossover between the real world and the virtual world and yeah. our behaviors because virtual worlds are designed so that they're similar enough to our real worlds that they seem realistic and immersive. Yeah, yeah. So sure. let's just say if Counter Strike, right, people mm. just started to fly and float and shoot people from the sky, yeah. it would be unrealistic and the game wouldn't be as fun because yeah. it would remind you that you're in a fake world. Yeah, 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 true. So the whole realism part uh, is, and the immersive part is a big draw card for a lot of players being in another place. Mm. Es- essentially escapism. Yeah, but it can't be too real because otherwise it would suck as much as real real life. Yeah, well, it, yeah. If if you actually had to train for years on end to learn how to shoot a gun, yeah, yeah, true, and yeah. Uh, get a headshot from like two kilometers away, yeah, yeah, that, that, and live with the pain and trauma of uh, actually taking someone's life, that would, yeah, that that would be a lot more difficult. <laughs> so, is it mostly games like World of Warcraft and stuff like that where? Where it's like those MMO type games, which is uh, well, MMO is what the sample. Classically, for. they're the most popular ones. Yep. Um, essentially. It's much more fun shooting someone that or a character that has a real person attached to, to yeah, it. Yeah. So well, isn't that kind of sick though? Like that, that we we could have more fun, like you know, like shooting an avatar. It's more exciting, yeah. yeah. It's more exciting, and and you know like, you've annoyed someone. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like we are vicariously like living out some fantasies. Sure, something like that. That's really that's pretty. Nice. And the, look, the, the thing is, games like Fortnite yeah. are free games, but they're making three hundred million dollars a month. Yeah, yeah. So if you're not paying for the game or buying virtual bucks or the virtual currency, you've mm. just become an employee who might be spending 80 hours a week playing a virtual game yeah. and essentially working the equivalent of two full-time jobs. Fair enough. So, you know, I think in all seriousness, the reason why I'm very passionate about this is because I think this does have social implications in terms of humanity and where we take the world in the future because yeah, yeah. 
we need to be living in the real world. We need to be going and, and like solving people face to face. Yeah, we need to be solving real problems in the real world as yeah, opposed to yeah. you know as opposed to us having to fight yeah. this fake orc. Yeah. We have the real orc of climate change, <laughs> yeah. something like that. But uh, I mean, the alternative is is that we actually screw up the world and then the VR world becomes the safe place for us to live, like the Matrix. But yeah, fuck. I mean, I'm I'm very open to all that. <laughs> yeah. but we need to be keeping things in perspective and. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Um, Being smart. Wow. That's uh, that, that's that's mind blowing and, and somewhat depressing. It's like I'm looking forward to this Matrix world where <laughs> in, in the desert of the real. There is no spoon. Yeah. Um. But uh, okay. So, so it's mostly MMO games. So you don't see anyone addicted to like you know like Barbie's horse rider or Farm Simulator well, or some shit like no. that. So yes, they will be. I mean, they're already addicted to games like Farmville, who make. Farmville. Oh no, no, no! Yeah. I was just talking about like Farm Simulator. You know that game where you can no. just basically—they're they're all they're all after the same market. They're all after okay. the, the cash. There are some really interesting techniques which are attacking young kids. So, for example, there was a game like a medical game where it's a free game for kids. It's yeah. on the iPad. The kid is meant to give some medicine to the person, and you don't pay money, credit card money. The character starts crying in front of them, so the kid feels guilty oh, to pay man. for the, the, the medicine. Twisted so, shit. so that it's, it's some um, game design uh, term called confirm shaming. So, yeah. it's, it's similar to when you're being asked to pay for something in an app, and then it's you know it, it guilt trips you into paying for it because you know, yeah, you've, yeah. Man, that is fucking wild. Because you know, I mean, I'm 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 obviously being being a male and an Asian or whatever. I, I've played my fair share. F- my, I've played a fair few, you know, games in my time, but I, I, I'm, I'm just too busy to play them nowadays. I had no idea that games had had evolved into this really, like, almost like Machiavellian, oh, like, yeah, manipulative yeah. thing. Yeah. That's There's a lot of else. ethical issues with game design. Yeah. And now I've been starting to be invited to uh, game design um, courses and universities to consider giving lectures on ethical game design. Okay. And I know that for a lot of um, lecturers, they. Uh, they shun their their students who use these techniques and then go into the, say the gambling industry, for yeah, example, because yeah. it's quite frowned upon. Fair enough. Yeah, because that, that that's like a great segue to my next thing. Like, do you, as a clinician, go to like E three or like the gaming conventions, and, and then you're looking at it from a different perspective? Are you like, oh man, this game's going to fuck up? Well, like, so yeah. many of my I patients. Mean, uh, take for example, the South Australian Education Department are introduced or have introduced an esports league. Yeah. Uh, for high school kids, yeah, and they're they've got they're working with industry, essentially Riot Games and League of Legends, mm. and the Adelaide Crows is jumping on and have sponsored a team for six figures. So, go figure. Shit, so Man, the, yeah. the Adelaide Crows see the fact that in the future kids are no longer going to be wanting to kick around an AFL football, a Sharon. Yeah. They're going to be holding a PlayStation Ten controller and trying to win. Uh, money on the circuit. Can you imagine though, like those uh, in the future when they're the future sports stars, be- mm. because they spent so much of their life like attached to a computer. Now, now in the post-match interview, you know, like it's always like you know, like a really young buff dude, yeah. but it's just gonna be like a, this, you know, like this big fat slob <laughs> going, oh, yeah, yeah, nah, yeah, nah, yeah." I think the boys, I think the boys gave him it all, but, but it'd just be a completely different type of body type on, on the screen <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, it'd you'd be so like, weird. "Oh, like, yeah, and that repetitive strain injury. How's that going?" Yeah, yeah it's like, "Ah, yeah, ah, yeah, 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 yeah." Now nah, the boys, uh, I've, I'm, I'm uh, recovering from that uh, psoriasis, and uh, but should come good, and I should be ready for next season. <laughs> <laughs> Is there like a game of the year in a really dark way? Is mm. there like a game of the year, like, 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 like a top? What <laughs> is like the blue mess of, <laughs> of 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 gaming addiction? Well, there's all these. 
terms like World of Warcraft and Evercrack and okay, yeah. all those uh, classic games. Uh, essentially, the most popular games that I'm seeing kids play are Fortnite, mm-hmm. um, Team Fortress 2, mm-hmm. Rainbow Six Siege. Um, not sure which which one it's called, but yep. one of one of those ones. Um, it used to be a lot of Grand Theft Auto uh, online, but it, pretty much any game that's linked to the internet, yeah. online gaming has potential to be addictive because oh, okay. it's just so immersive and hooks you in. Mm. I mean, I'm 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 no saint myself. I confess that I had a yeah. Pokemon Go addiction. Pokemon Go, yeah, okay, go on. Um, it's, it all started with. It also, I was doing vlogs when Pokemon Go first came out, and I was yeah. making predictions on things like gang mentality and the way it was split into tribes and guilds wow. and things like that. Yeah. And I actually turned into a guild leader in Adelaide, where oh, we wow, would, I man. would organize. A big dog. Yeah, I would yeah. organize a sweep of a whole area, and and literally the other teams would accuse us online of cheating. <laughs> but we would just really coordinate. I'd use you know the old Viet Cong tactics of uh, guerrilla warfare wow, and man. sneak attack on all these gyms, Pokemon gyms. Wow. And I'd play in countries like Hong Kong. Uh, I met a, a player in Hong Kong. Yeah. Who was blind and would play using only the sound. <laughs> Are <laughs> <Hey, laughs> you laughing at the insanity of that or yeah. laughing at blind people? Like, man, oh, yeah, I, no, I hope no, you're not no, laughing no, at blind people. The insanity. When, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I also played with psychiatrists in Japan. Yeah. Um, we would be in meetings with uh, at a psychiatry meeting and I would be like, hang on, that guy is playing Pokemon Go. And it would be like a Japanese psychiatrist. I'm like, hey, yeah. man, do you want to go raid half of this? Oh, my God. And yeah, it was it was around the time when they released a lot of the legendary... I mean, um, this is trigger. This is triggering me right now. I want to yeah. play right now. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but I, after a year You're of playing, right yeah, now, after a year of playing, playing, I actually said to myself, "I need to take my own medicine." Yeah. And it was the hardest thing I ever did. I did a three-month detox, and yeah, it would you would get all these triggers, all these cues, yeah. um, people calling you back. You got to come back. I missed out on the release of Mewtwo. Oh, okay. So Mewtwo was this big thing that everyone was waiting for. Mm. And one of my guild friends got invited to get it. He's got it, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, got that, but no life. But anyway, that's another thing. Um, yeah. But I missed out on that. And all these things. And it the, the game is designed to change up. It, it releases something new every few months because it knows that there is this um, called the churn. So people churn out of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they, they change it up. I think Fortnite changes it up daily in the shop so that people mm. keep constantly checking. Yeah. So it hooks in people with things like OCD because, you know, if wow. you don't check, you might be missing out on something. It's a real FOMO. Yeah, man. These sound like, they sound like honey, yeah, they sound like honey pots for mental disease or something like that. It sounds really, it's just dangerous. There's a lot of implications, yeah. Yeah, that's insane, dude. I had no idea that's, that, that's how deep it goes. It's so, it's so, so interesting. What, what kind of treatments do you get? I mean, obviously, there would, there would be like some form of therapy and, you know, like, sure. and like, and like psychology, yep. but I'm also interested in the, in the, in the drug part as well. Do you right, get, do you right. Any pharmacotherapy as well? I mean, I, I, I work with kids who are uh, teenagers, mm. and I'm pretty conservative in terms of my prescribing, but obviously, if they've got a comorbid uh, major depression or generalized anxiety disorder or social phobia, then that's a certain thing that I would look at, maybe trialing a SSRI or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in other cases, the kids might have a real attention problems. Yeah. Uh, there's a strong link between ADHD and online gaming because the game moves so fast. Yeah. It's so exciting. It 
actually is like a form of self-medication. But then when you get off the game, yeah, the real world is really slow. Yeah. So some of those kids, they might actually need stimulant medication. So, okay. um, But in terms of the non-pharmacological treatment, the best research would be around uh, CBT or cognitive behavior therapy, mm. looking at the uh, negative cognitions. So the University of Adelaide and the Flinders University did a, a trial where they got volunteers to give their passwords up on mm. Friday midday and got their passwords back to their games Monday midday. So, 84 hours of absence over a weekend because that's probably when you game the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are certain negative cognitions or thoughts that you might have like, my friends need me. I need to play to feel good. I need to play to get a sense of self-esteem. Mm. Those are negative cognitions. And after a three-day abstinence, just a three-day detox, those negative cognitions reduce and then their gaming time actually reduces over time. So if they get you know, like a bolus treatment of like 72 hours, yeah, by the sounds yeah. of it, like that's enough yeah. to, to really get them on a good path. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're the sort of, it's a very sort of um, clinical research population. But yeah. the, the thing that I notice is, is that it's common now to play every day. Yeah. When you ask someone, a young person, when was the last time you didn't play? They'll be like, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Or in the past, I used to ask them, when was the last time you were on school camp? Yeah. And they would say a couple of months ago, and, and I'd say, how'd that go? And they like, they were struggled. Nowadays, kids get away with not going to school camp at all. They don't need to go. Okay. So people, schools are less strict about that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's changing. It's changing. Kids are missing out on key developmental muscles. key developmental muscles. Okay, fair enough. That's interesting. So, so I mean, just to quickly wrap up, I just wanted to know where you see the future of, of, of the treatment of gaming addiction or do you, do you see the problem getting worse? Do you see it getting better or what's the... What's the Look, the... I think there are lots of movements being made overseas, class actions against the gaming companies, mm. getting the gaming companies, the game designers to clean up their act. Mm. Uh, the banning of loot boxes is, yeah. a, is a big step forward. By the way, quickly, so who's the Monsanto of the gaming industry? Is it like EA? Is it like... Uh, Whoever made like you know Angry Birds or whatever, yeah. like yeah, who's who, who's the Monsanto of the gaming industry? <laughs> um, Mark Zuckerberg. No, I don't. I don't, I don't want any uh, death threats. Um, yeah, yeah. Fair I'm to say, I, I, um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think once we release this episode, we're yeah. going to be hit on both our heads. Yeah. Mostly you though, because you're. Cause, yeah. yeah, I mean Blizzard, I guess Activision, Midway. Yeah, uh, yeah they're all they're all the same. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, fair enough. So, yeah, so um, all the executives from uh, Blizzard or uh, Activision, I mean, Ki- yeah. Kim Lee will be performing. <laughs> I mean, take, for example, the whole um, Fortnite model of play to make it free to play to everyone and then... But not really free, yeah. Yeah. Um, get people in the casino and then extract their money. Uh, that model is getting spread out throughout all the games now. So, yeah. you know, before kids used to be able to ask their parents... Um, mum, dad, can I buy this game from EB Games? And the pa- uh, the parent would look at the box and say, "Nah, it's M15 plus." Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, mate. Um, uh, grow grow a few centimeters tall, and you can get the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's just downloaded on the Wi-Fi, and the parents have no idea what's going on. Yeah, true, so true. It's, it's like, like they circumvented. They circumvented. It's like that, inviting, that um, you know. Uh, Mormon people into your house without them knowing. So. <laughs> yes, what a terrible fate that would be. <laughs> so true. Um, anyway, so, so uh, all I know is Riot Games make League of Legends, and Fortnite is made by I can see here Epic Ep- Games. Epic Games, Epic yeah, Games, yeah, and people sense. can fly. Like that. That's a okay. I've never games, heard of that yeah. one. Epic Games, yeah. 
But you know what? We'll probably find out at the end of the day. Yeah. These are all and they're, and they're, they're, they're Epic Games are creating their own tournament, which is worth $100 million in prize money. So it's, it's all about glamorizing. Yeah, that's uh, that's 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 red money now. I didn't realize at the time. Originally, I used to I used to I used to be like, oh yeah, this is just like a, a just a league league for yeah. like um big you know like fat like neck beers or something yeah. like nothing better no. to do. But they're, they're victims, yeah. really. Uh, actually, I do know who's the main culprit. Mm. The main culprit is the guy who directed the movie with the power glove. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know that movie with Super Mario and the kid has a power glove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. that movie? Oh, um, um, I don't know. No, let's see, my um, is it Scott Pilgrim or something like that? Or no, no this is like an '80s movie. Oh, dude, like, no, that's. Uh, I mean, I'm from. I was born. It was like 80s. competitive gaming. Yeah, that was power com- glove. Competitive, competitive. The Nintendo Power Glove. The Wizard. Yeah, the Wizard. The Wizard. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, I've never heard of this movie. Okay, okay. Well, anyway. That and Street Fighter Two. That Street Fighter Two. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah, that's crack for Asian people. You know, yeah. I, I actually I, I did spend a period of time. I wouldn't say, but not maybe not addicted as much as you were to Pokemon Go. Yeah. But I spent. This is really embarrassing. I spent about six months when I was in my early twenties trying to get a good at Street Fighter because I thought it was like an Asian staple. You know, like <laughs> the same way, like we should all know how to use chopsticks. We all should know say hello and goodbye at the very least in Chinese. Yep. I thought I need to be able to do the dragon punch yep. at ease. 12 hit at combo, will. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so that's so pretty embarrassing. But um, dude, that was actually really, 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 uh, really interesting, man. I, I, I really, really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy, I enjoy talking about that. That's great. Um, that, that's uh, cool. So Kim, um, I, I think this will probably be released after the festival, but is there, is there any like regular shows that you run here? Here in Adelaide, that we yeah. Well, I run the comedy clinic open mic night once a month on a Saturday here at Broadcast Bar in Adelaide. Mm. Um, I also have a Facebook group and Instagram page, Kim Lee Comedy. Yep. And if you want to know more about internet gaming disorder, I have a TEDx talk called The Spell of Digital Immersion done a couple of years ago, and a website called CGI Clinic, which stands for Computer Gaming Internet Clinic, essentially. Okay, cool. yeah. So hit me up, LinkedIn, yeah. all that jazz. That's great, Facebook. dude. That, I, Thanks, thanks so much. That was, that was, that was a great episode. I really, really appreciate Thank you coming along, dude. Cheers. Thanks a lot, man. Okay, guys, uh, that's, that's uh, MJ uh, signing off. We'll catch you guys next time with My Clonic Jerks. See you guys.